Real Kipper and Born, show number 75. We come to you uh, today with a bit of a heavy heart. On Friday, of course, our hockey community lost, uh, well, we lost an NHL alumni, one of our own in, in Clark Gillies. Of course, this is a, a Hall of Famer who helped the New York Islanders to four consecutive Stanley Cup championships at the age of 67. Of course, remembered as this big, tough, rugged winger, but also known as a husband, a father, a son, and yes, a, a son-in-law. And uh, we also know that uh, Justin Bourne, my co-host and someone who I've gotten to know in a very short period of time and have a tremendous amount of respect for, uh, shows another level by showing up for work today and <laughs> has all the reason in the world to take the week off uh, and he knows that, uh, but instead chose to come to work. We totally respect it. Of course, myself, uh, Derek Brandeo here today on Tech, and of course, our producer, Sam McKee, also on board. And we're like, Justin, are you sure about this? And he says, yep, I'm sure. So um, let's welcome in uh, Justin Bourne. And first of all, reiterate uh, condolences to the Bourne family, the, the Gillis family. And uh, to say that uh, we're awfully sorry um, for your loss. So, Justin, uh, maybe we just start with why you chose to come to work today. Let's let's start there, pal. Yeah. Well, first off, thanks a lot, Kipper, and I appreciate the kind words. And, yeah, I'll I'll just uh, add to your point by saying that, you know, Sportsnet was really wonderful to me and, and, you know, offered me as much time as I need and you guys the same thing. And, um, you know, I just felt it was important today, you know, I seeing all the tributes to Clark uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Hockey Night in Canada was incredible. You know, what the Islanders did was incredible for him. I'd like to thank the New York Islanders, too, for, you know, the attention they gave uh, him, you know, having people bring flowers, the moment of silence. Um, you know, there there was been a lot of wonderful sentiments, and I just felt... It was important today to come on for my family's sake to, you know, I wanted to say my piece about Clark too. And um, I haven't really, haven't had the chance over the past couple of days as we've kind of been or- organizing a lot of the logistical details and um, what's going to happen. And, you know, I haven't really had time to, to say too much. So, you know, if you'll uh, allow me, Kipper, I'll, um, you know, just kind of go on here for a minute or two, if you're all right. And I'll uh, talk about Clark. We'd love that. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, Please do, bud. Yeah, thanks, Sammy. So, you know, Clark, <laughs> you know, it's been really interesting seeing people talk about Clark uh, as a hockey player and as a guy. Um, you know, one thing that seems to be a common thread in, in all this is, you know, the the person Clark. Everyone knows about the, the ferocious, tough guy Clark, and he was that and the great hockey player and all that. But his charity, um, you know, they've raised over $3.5 million for uh, kids with mental and physical disabilities and in some cases financial disabilities if things are dire. Um, so my dad and, and Clark go back to the very beginning, and I owe so much more. You know, I've been with my wife for uh, maybe 16 years or something like that. But, you know, when I was born... Clark and my dad bought houses beside each other. So, uh, you know, they were kids. My, my mom and dad gave birth to a son 
and my brother, uh, you know, then they didn't have the technology to figure out, to learn, you know, that he was going to be born with birth defects. My brother was born with spina bifida, scoliosis, hydrocephalus, like uh, two thirds of his back was a hole, basically, um, hooked up to every machine they had in, you know, 1979 to try to keep him alive. And, you know, the, the prognosis was just not good. You know, they basically said he wouldn't be able to have much of a life. You know, they wouldn't be able to be communicate, to do anything physically. And they had to make a hard choice on my brother. And, you know, about a year ago, Clark came to Kelowna, B.C., you know, two years ago and gave a speech at my brother's 40th, uh, or sorry, my, at my brother's wedding. You know, Clark at that time when my brother was, they were making those tough decisions on my dad, when they're making those tough decisions on my brother, Clark said to my mom and dad, you, you know, you just, you got to give him a chance. You just got to give him a chance. And Clark helped my parents decide to keep my brother who ended up having a, a pretty, uh, a pretty successful, amazing life. You know, he's in his forties now and he's married and, um, you know, they, they credit Clark for a lot of that. So I, that's before I knew Clark as a father-in-law, the impact, you know, I was my, my brother's best man and he was my best man. So Clark is, had a wide reaching impact on me and has always been that kind of people trying to give people who uh, were less fortunate a chance and less uh, able a chance. And, you know, that's been a theme for him and for our family is watching him work towards that, that selflessness and that ability to, to give of himself. And that's been, uh, you know, so meaningful, you know, but, it was different when I turned about, you know, my early 20s, I started to see his daughter. It gets a little different because you know Clark is this wonderful guy with a great hockey pass. And all of a sudden, you know, this is Clark Gillies and his daughter. And I'm starting to date a little bit and not wanting to run the risk of pissing off that father-in-law. You know, like that changes your perspective <laughs> of the man who's like, okay, he's been great to our family, but like this is another level. So when I first started dating Bree my buddies would send me videos of Clark just beating the out of guys and just saying, are you sure you want to do this? Like you, <laughs> you cannot go down the wrong path with this man. Like on your third or fourth date with Brianna, you have to be sure you're going to marry her. Cause if it goes wrong, you're going to get killed and you're going to ruin everything with your family's relationships. Like we had to know early that we were serious about one another. So we were doing long distance. I fly, uh, you know, we, we decided or we're in love. I fly from Alaska to New York to, to stay with the Gillies for two weeks to see if this is going to work out. And like, you know, 23 or four years old, I'm staying at their house. I'm sleeping in their daughter's bed. She's still at home, you know, going to university. Terrifying situation in Clark Gillies' house. He comes home one night, you know, my first night there, second night there. And he goes, Justin, uh, tomorrow I'm playing winged foot. Or sorry, no, I'm playing Beth Page Black. Would you like to go? And I'm like, oh my God, well, you know, I'm a golfer. The U.S. Open's been held there. This is my, like my first time being in the Gillies house and really getting to know Clark at another level. And like, what a man, right? I just told you what a caring guy is. He brings me to, into his home, invites me to play Beth Page. So the next morning I wake up, he pokes his head in the room, like, let's go. It's like 6 a.m. I'm like so fired up. He goes, do you have running shoes? And I was like, ah, uh, like, I, you know, I, I guess, but like in my mind, I'm like, yeah, we're going golfing. Like, I don't even, okay. So I, he lends me a pair of his shoes. We get in the car. It's pouring rain. He goes, we're going to play anyway. And I was like, ah, that's fine. I'd play through whatever, you know, no, no problem. And he goes, you know, I really appreciate you doing this. And I was like, what is going on? Like doing this? He's doing me a favor. And he goes, yeah, I couldn't find a caddy. So it's super good of you to agree to carry my clubs. Like, you know, oh. you're the, you know. Oh, <laughs> so, no. so I think the whole time I'm playing Beth Page back, I find out on the way there I'm caddying, pouring rain. 
We get out of the car and he goes, yeah, so it's my bag and Jim's bag there. You're carrying those two. So I find out I'm double slugging <laughs> bags and I'm standing in the first tee box in the rain. I'm not even going to get to hit a ball off this first tee. And he goes, what are you doing? It's like, what, what do you mean? What am I doing? He goes, you're out there. You're a four. You, I had to walk out into the fairway like a four caddy, <laughs> watch them hit. So I'm standing by myself, ankle deep in the rough at Beth Page Black. And I was like, I just got rookied. Clark Gillies rookied me. Like, this is his first. He totally knew what he was doing the whole time. Everyone talks about what a loving guy this guy is, and he was. And he absolutely put me through the ringer the first day, double carrying bags in the pouring rain, and standing there in the first green under the umbrella. And he goes, what are you doing? It's like, I don't know. He's like, his clubs are two feet beside me getting soaking wet. I'm protecting myself from the rain. He's like, you're the worst caddy I've ever had. You know, at the end end of the day, Clark paid me for both bags, paid me handsomely, put his arm around me and said, okay, we got that out of the way. You know, put me through the paces. And from that day on, he took me golfing every time we went anywhere nice. He, you know, I played in his foursome. I played on his team. You know, I was kind of one of the family and, you know, I, I appreciated the very hockey mentality of earning my way in on that first day. And, you know, we, uh, we became close over those years, you know, what he's continued to do. And you guys know, you know, what he's meant to Long Island and to the NHL community. And, uh, just a family man first, the hockey stuff for me is just so secondary. He's got eight grandkids, three beautiful daughters. Um, and he was such a part of them and, uh, just such a hard time. Um, for for their family and so I thanks everyone who I haven't got to reach out to for the warm wishes the kind words I, I just can't begin to to tell you guys how much I've uh, appreciated all that and um, you know Clark if ever there was a man he's been deserving of every little bit of it wow that's uh that's that was awesome Justin <laughs> uh, and as far as as Clark is concerned like he was never shy to show that that soft teddy bear side but there was you know, you got rookied. Uh, Kelly Rudy told a, a funny story on Saturday Night Hockey Night in Canada where in his, I, I believe, his rookie year, uh, he got invited to uh, his room in a hotel and he had he literally had to stand beside the TV to, to, change, to change the channels. <laughs> I know. You know, for, yeah. for Clark. Yeah. And, but, like, he, he, he knew the respect level, right? That, yeah. That, that, that kind of followed into the you know, the, the dressing room and earning your keep. But once you had it, you were yeah. gold with a guy like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. That, that, that was a funny story. Kelly's I've heard that one too. They, um, you know, <laughs> maybe a different era of rookieing and all that, but you know, the, the common theme of all those stories is like, no one leaves nobody left a uh, interaction with Clark on bad terms. You know, some of the calls that they're getting right now these days, of course, it's all the friends and family and all that. But like my wife got a call from the guy who cleaned their pools 12 years ago, who really felt, you know, Clark had been so good to him. They, they got a call from an Uber driver that Clark had like bonded with, you know, like this guy, whoever it was, he was interested in people and I, you know, this sounds terrible, but I always envied that about Clark, that he was genuinely interested in every person he came in, in, you know, across that these people that he talked with them on a common level, you know, you didn't have to be special. You might have to change channels for him or carry his clubs once or twice, but he let you into his personal world and that's how you end up with, you know, enough friends to fill an arena uh, 10 times over. So uh, it's a, it's a life well lived when you look at what he's left behind. And just, uh, just the uh, the emotional aspect of of people first discovering it, and you know he had a, a 
a battle with cancer, uh, and it, it seemed to be okay. And then it, it came on quick. I think many people, it caught people off guard. Yeah. And I think that just added to that, that raw emotion that people have shown in the last 48 hours. Uh, Justin, yeah. this, this one, this one, and I'm, I'm older than you, I'm 55 years old and we've already had, you know, the last 20 years, you know, we've lost some great people in our hockey community, but this one, this one felt a, a little bit more emotional um, just because of the Clark uh, Gillies that we know and, yeah. and, and have been accustomed to over all, all the charity events and the NHL alumni and the speeches and the songs and the yeah. singing and the the joy and and this one this one hurts yeah you know it's it's rare in this life to come across someone who really exudes so much joy i think that's a great word kipper and also i think such a part of why publicly it's such a surprise and so hard is you know that crushing that beer can on his head during the last cup run you know the islanders last push here you know that's the last memory islanders fans had of him i think before you know, this news in, in the public, you know, being healthy and well and vibrant. And you're right. You know, he was here in Toronto not long ago and a hundred percent fine. You know, it's, it really does. It can, it can go quick. And um, yeah, it, it is, it is hard for a lot of people. I think he has been long Island. He's been a part of that community and never left, uh, you know, once, once his playing days were done, you know, raising money and, and kind of being a part and a contributor and being there for some, through some tough years for, for New York. So I know it's a heavy one. Uh, if you do get the chance out there, uh, to donate to the Clark Gillies foundation, they're still, uh, you know, they're still going to keep that going on. I'm going to try to be a part of that uh, in the years ahead and continue to raise money for uh, a lot of their great causes. It's clarkgillies.org. Uh, anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. I, I tweeted uh, on the weekend about the interview that we did with him. Mm-hmm. And I knew at the time that it was, it was, it was special for me just on a personal level because you know, you guys are younger than me, but I grew up uh, my heyday of being a kid and loving the NHL and loving the Leafs, but also learning to respect champions. My first, my first introduction as a kid on knowing what champions are about or what they look like or sound like, or, or, uh, portray on my TV. We're the New York Islanders. Not necessarily just, you know, just prior to that, it was the Canadians. But for me to absorb it as a, as someone that's just going into some pretty influential years as, as a teenager to maybe think about, Hey, could I play in the NHL one day? Well, here, here's the real look Mm -hmm. of champions. And it was bossy, Trache, Gillies, Potvan, you know, Bobby Bourne, who led scoring, I think, for the Islanders on their first cup, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And this was my introduction. So although I was a Leaf fan growing up, it was the respect out of these guys. And they weren't hated. They weren't hated. They were respected. With the all due respect, I exclude <laughs> Billy Smith out of this. <laughs> so that's fair. I think a lot of people you know? would agree there. <laughs> so, but outside of that, this is mm-hmm. this is your first look of of how it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And 
going back just to, to, to have him on that interview, and I've done Hockey Central at noon for many years and been with Sportsnet since 98, but that was a special moment for me on a personal level. But I, I did not know how special it was going to really become because, mm-hmm. first of all, I, I mean, I was able to do it with you beside me, and then there's that connection, that family connection, but also the fact that Justin, I don't know how many more interviews he did after that, but that may have been one of his last ones. Yeah. And I got to do it with him and, and his son-in-law. And, and that was again, something that I'll, I'll carry very near and dear to my heart, you know, forever. No, me too. Um, what did that interview know, mean to you now knowing this? It's just, you know, I, I think it actually, you know, it's a good look at Clark. Um, you know, first off, getting to joke, like I think I said to him, like, Dad, what are you putting in my stocking this Christmas? And unfortunately, that it was around then. We, we, we didn't end up getting to go down. He wasn't – he'd started to, uh, you know, to, to go into decline a bit. And, um, you know, looking back at that, obviously, it's – you know, it, it's really cool. It's really cool to have been able to have that opportunity in this, this place in my career. I think at the end, Kipper, you said something like, I don't know if I'd want to go into a bar fight with him. And, and Clark goes, I ah, might surprise you. And then, and, you know, as, as funny as that is, it's like he always did kind of have my back in a way that, that meant a lot to me. Um, you know, he's uh, – you know, he – he certainly had the opportunity at times to, uh, you know, for me to be kind of the small guy hanging around him at his golf club. But um, he always you know, included me with his uh, much more famous and interesting friends than myself. So uh, I'm grateful to have had that uh, that chance with him, too. So that, that really was a cool thing. Sammy, that was a pretty special uh, interview with Clark. Yeah, I, I, I love that interview so much. And the, the one thing that will always stick out to me about that interview, thinking back on it, was that you said something about, like, how did you ever let a hockey player, like, marry your daughter or whatever, <laughs> referring to Borny? And he said, I'd never let a hockey player like me <laughs> Great line. Yeah. Oh, oh man. That's great. I mean, and there's another Kipper hilarious. joked about the alumni. Kipper joked about the alumni washrooms too. Well, that'd be good for the alumni when you're talking yeah, about yeah. more washrooms at UBS Arena. So a couple of great highlights from yeah. that interview. But I well, honest born... to God oh, Sam, man, I should I... say that guy could tell a joke. He could tell a joke he's told a thousand times. He could say something totally unfunny and have a, a look on his face that you'd laugh again, you know? He he just knew how to how to do it. Well, I just a couple you've told me that story when we were playing golf, the 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 caddy one and I was praying that you were going to tell that story I <laughs> love that story and the one you told about your brother uh, brought me to, to tears there man so I, I love yeah. you we're, we're, we're thinking of you man I, I you know I'm terrible at this kind of stuff but I, no, I love you you're know doing great you. Sammy you're and, doing and great I, for, go ahead JB I, was, I don't know if I as I get older I'm not much of a guy for coincidences but it happened in the day before the Leafs played the Islanders and they're on hockey night in Canada and you mm-hmm. know everyone gets to properly mm-hmm. pay their due to him I don't know you know I don't know it's just one of those things that just felt special and right and um you know he was able to kind of get the uh you know get get what I thought was was just due for him for the man you know for all our listeners out there, the beauty of a podcast is you can go back and and find these clips. They're all uh, they're all there uh, for yeah. for download. And uh, if you did not hear Clark Gillies with uh, his son-in-law Justin and and myself and and Sammy, uh, the episode aired right around uh, uh, 
the first game in, in the new arena in Long Island. So that would have put it probably second or third week of November, if I'm not mistaken, guys. But somewhere yeah. around there, uh, you, you'll be able to to, to revisit uh, Clark Gillies on our show. And it, uh, it uh, it's an interview that certainly uh, captures who he is as a person uh, from from his playing days to being a, a dad, a grandparent, and alumnus. And I think it, it did a pretty good job of, of portraying uh, the man uh, that, that Clark Gillies uh, uh, was and, and uh, ca- carried himself uh, throughout his, uh, his life. So I hope you get a chance to revisit that if you do. That would have been on February... I'm sorry, we're in February now. We were in November 19th. The Friday would have been Thanks. would have been the show. So yeah. I'll look back on that. Yeah. All right, boys. So yeah. I appreciate you uh, giving me the time to to talk on Clark. I guess uh, I guess we should talk about the actual hockey game on Friday <laughs> or Saturday night as well. Yeah. And listen, um, so so just to reiterate, you're going to be with us uh, today and tomorrow, and then you're going to yep. take off uh, on Wednesday, correct? JB? Yeah. Uh, we're going to head down to Long Island and spend a little time there. So uh, yeah. be, be back with you guys sometime next week. Yeah, well, um, happy to have you, buddy. Celebration of life, uh, I'm sure we'll 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 be following soon for for the Gillies and Bourne family. Um, one of the best, Clark Gillies. Uh, I, I know you probably didn't watch too much of the game, uh, JB, and uh, just in terms of uh, what we thought we got out of uh, the Leafs and uh, the Islanders, what uh, was again uh, an emotional. Uh, day and night, I'm sure, for the Islander organization. Probably didn't turn out to, as well as it could have been on the score sheet. But uh, for the Leafs, they got the job done. Uh, and mm. it's probably just as, as simple as that. Yeah, I know you didn't have uh, quite as strong a feeling about the performance or the outcome. Uh, you know, there, there's not too much to take away there for me aside from, you know, Peter Mrazek, guys. Uh, you know, this, he he came in. He played a hockey game, which is which hasn't happened yet in a Leaf jersey. Uh, could be a bright spot for them going forward. Yeah, Borny might be right here. Remember how, like, maybe two weeks ago, we was that not even two weeks ago, maybe a week ago, we were screaming at Borny about how Jack Campbell's never going to give up the net. And what are you talking about, Peter Morazic <laughs> getting multiple starts in a row here? But if you're just going on merit. I think there's probably something to be said about this Wednesday going with Morazic versus the Ducks. No? Is there merit to that? Or is it that you can't let Jack Campbell go a week between starts? He's your guy. Or do you go on a true sort of 1A, 1B scenario here and let the hot guy go? Yeah, I'm I'm not doubling down on, uh, <laughs> on your thoughts. I'm sorry. But uh, Anaheim is one of those teams that have struggled recently. They're still in the thick of things. And very much so uh, a team that uh, maybe a lot of people didn't expect to make the playoffs. So uh, they're going to be coming in off of a, a, a recent win as well. Uh, I, I just, I think there's too much time in between to not go with Jack Campbell Wednesday night. And here's a yeah. guy that has been struggling. He wants to get back on board. He's at home. He's had a couple of practices in. I I don't think that they want to mess with his psyche uh, by by now giving Morazic two consecutive starts. I think there's a window here in the next few uh, games that even if you wanted to go Jack Wednesday and Morazic on the weekend, 
that to me makes a lot more sense than seeing Mrazek as early as uh, Wednesday. Yeah, I guess it depends on what you're prioritizing, right? Like, is it more important to have Campbell back feeling good like the Vesna caliber guy? Or is it more important down this stretch here to have two goaltenders that are going pretty good? I think I saw if they were to split games from here on out, the season split would be something like, you know, like 50 and 32 games for uh, Campbell and Mrazek, which is probably at the start of the year would have looked pretty what good. What they envisioned. But, That's yeah, what that, they that, envisioned when they go into the year. Right. But yeah, I, I I think you got to get Campbell back on track and then see if you can salvage old old Peter before before you giving him another one. And and the real push, guys, comes in February. Uh, let's not forget that. And I think there's you might be in a position then to to really start saying that okay, you know what, Jack's issues might be a little longer than we thought. Or but uh, until that happens, uh, I think at the very least you kind of split them off a little bit. And uh, to me, Jack's gone too far, too long to all of a sudden tell him, yeah, from here on in, it's a two-man race again. We know Jack's a sensitive guy. We know that uh, we, we know what the issues are with Jack. He's too hard on himself. What do you think, what do you think mm-hmm. splitting his, his net now would do to him moving forward? I, I don't think if you're the Leafs, you want to mess with that. Oh, but but what do you think there would ever be a world kipper where they would see the chance to drive uh, his value down to say, listen, you know, you had a great first half, but in the second half we had to split you because we couldn't trust you as much. We're not going to give you seven million dollars a season. He's like, okay, I'll have fun in Detroit for six months. See you guys. I know, I know, I know. Have fun with Mrazek. Yeah, in in all my experience around professional hockey, I mean, that's almost like. playing with god you know it's just like yeah. you, you can't you can't you can't uh, manipulate that there's a chance that you you mess with that and you could have two bad goalies and yeah you you don't you you don't know where it's going you just got to keep your thoughts as pure as possible and everything has to be what's best for the team to win not what what's best for my salary cap next yeah. year i no, mean right. I, th- there has to be a you have to be conscientious for sure of every move that you make with that thought in mind. But that's, that's, that's Kyle and Brendan's issue and, and their, and their salary cap. That's not, that's not yeah. uh, where Sheldon's going with, you know, what we think is he, he he's the guy that's going to decide his starting goalie. No kidding. And what Sheldon is thinking is uh, really shaking things up here. Like, I I agree we'll go back to Campbell, but they had a a massive turnover on their lines today in practice, uh, which once again sees Nick Ritchie out of the lineup. But, boy, uh, no no Matthews Marner anymore. What what did you think of the line skipper? Well, it goes back to what I thought about Saturday night as well, guys, is they, they got the job done. They are the better team, the Islanders. Uh, and again, tremendous emotion coming in to uh, that Saturday night. Uh, but if I'm Lou Lamorello, I, I, I saw a lot of uh, red flags, unfortunately, yeah. when it came to the New York Islanders and what they were capable of and, and the overall skill level that they, it was just, it was just, it was an unfair fight. Let's put it that way. Uh, for yeah. the New York Islanders. So I, what what probably we've been accustomed to seeing the last little while and the theme is is uh, the physicality and, and whether they're tough enough 
Uh, and, and there was there was just a, a small window in that hockey game where I, I saw the Islanders kind of take over physically a little bit. Did you catch that a little bit, Sammy, Saturday night? Oh, Sammy's right, getting Sam's, us McKenna, who, who we Sam's, have, by the way. Oh, we got Mike on it? Okay, yeah. let's go to Mike McKenna, one of our first guests. We also got Craig Simpson on board as well in the show and Aaron Ward. So uh, plenty of hockey ahead of us with uh, some amazing guests. But let's go to our uh, our goalie guru first in Mike McKenna. Mike, how are you? I'm doing good. You know, every time you say goalie guru, it just it brings a smile to my face because it's uh, you know it's my passion, Kipper. So it's it's cool to hear that, man. I hope you guys are doing well. What's up on your end? We're good. We're good. Uh, you know, we're we're hanging in there. Of course, uh, you know, we uh, off the top of the show we talked about the loss of, of Clark Gillies, of course, and and Justin's uh, family loss. Uh, but uh, overall, we we know uh, the games go on, right, Mike? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, the game never stops for us. And that's, you know, if there's anything that's consistent about hockey players, I think is just sometimes hockey is our, it's our happy place. Hey eh, guys, you know, like when, when things are sideways in life or mm-hmm. anything else, sometimes we find solace on the ice. I have at certain times in my life and even just talking about it, it's a nice distraction sometimes. Yeah, no, it's uh, your world can be pure chaos off it. And there's always that little bit of normalcy when the rules are clearly defined when you're on the ice. That is a, an absolute truth. Um, you know, the, the Leafs took to the ice uh, in Long Island on that Saturday night. P- Peter Mrazek went in and played pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think the Leafs will give him a chance to be kind of the, the guy they envisioned at the start of the season where he's almost split in the net and, uh, and they're actually using the guy? I think it's going to be di- dictated really by what Peter Mrazek does himself. Uh, but I think more than anything at this point of the season, Jack Campbell's built up enough stock that that's still his net. I know the last four or five games haven't gone well but he's still played at a high level when you look at the macro scene, when you look at the entire picture of the season. Now, could he use a bit of a break? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where Peter Mrazek's going to be critical uh, over these next couple of weeks is just giving Campbell some time off, you know, give him a chance to regroup a little bit. There aren't many back-to-back situations for the Leafs coming up, which is really nice, but I think getting a couple of days off won't be a bad deal for, for Campbell. And I think from Razik really watching him, it's, a, it's getting back into the flow of things. You know, he hasn't played much hockey this year. He's only had two games since he was injured early in the season. And uh, I thought he looked pretty good against the Islanders. Uh, not great against the Rangers, but uh, pretty good against the Islanders in his last game back. Mike, and I, I don't throw out goalie guru, you know, just uh, on a whim here. I, I like the uh, intellectual part of, of, of the makeup that you bring us when it comes to uh, a goalie uh, and a place I've, I haven't got a clue, right? I mean, like, <laughs> hard on the forecheck, dump it, dump it in, dump it out. And, and that was the extent of it. But just in terms of a, a Jack Campbell, it, is it possible that Jack or any other goalie can sit there and go, yeah, my numbers are coming down. I'm still as frigging good as I was three weeks ago, but these six guys that play on my blue line have, have let me down or they're not playing up to snuff. And that's the, the only difference between me and two weeks ago is the level of play that's dropped off on my blue line. Is, is that something that internally a goalie can think you can think that, but it doesn't stop you from trying to improve yourself because that's the reality. You know, without Muzzin, with hole missing, without tougher players in front of you, all you have to do is look at the goals from the last four or five games. You know, they're all from in tight. And Jack Campbell's one of the best goaltenders in the league. Medium danger, further sh- shots that are further away. When he's making reads and tracking the puck, 
He's phenomenal at that. But there is an area to his game that he can prove, and it's how tight he plays on pucks that are in and around his crease. He's had a lot of pucks go through him recently, between his legs, low on the ice, quick low to high plays coming from behind the net to in front. And, of course, that's dependent upon your defenseman keeping players out of those positions. But this is where you really dig in as a goaltender and you think, man, I've played great this year. I know I have, but where can I be better? And that's where I think Campbell can really try to find that extra tenth, as they would say in racing terms, you know, an extra tenth on the track. In hockey terms, an extra save in the crease is being tight, being square to the puck, getting his knees down in a hurry. Sometimes his movements, his legs can get a little spread. He won't bring his back leg, and the pucks have found a way through. So I think you can obviously be very conscious of what happens in front of you, but it's never an excuse for you to just hope things get better. Sometimes you got to make your own luck, and you do that by going to practice every day with a clear game plan on what you can improve. You know, goaltending is so defined by the, you know, a couple of goals. So, like, I thought the Ryan Reeves goal in, in uh, Madison Square Garden, the one that was, like, tipped up under the bar, I thought he was in a pretty good position. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes you just get unlucky. How hard is it as a goaltender to convince yourself that you're playing okay and you're just in a stretch of bad luck when somehow the puck keeps banking in off several things before ending up in the back of the net? Right. You know, those those types of goals, the one you described of Reeves from a bad angle, they happen. And they never really look great because the goalie is more or less stationary. Uh, but you want to see the goalie at least be able to react there. And again, this is where, you know, Campbell would reflect and think, okay, if I was able to just be a little bit more reflexive, maybe I had an opportunity. But you make the save on those most of the time. And you have to trust your positioning and not overdo things. You can see goaltenders go way outside the box when things aren't going well and they start chasing the game. And, you know, when I've watched Campbell the last several, I don't think he's chasing it. I think he's just got a couple of little details to improve upon. The team hasn't been great in front of them. And this is where you have to rely on your mental strength. You know, I mean, Jack Campbell just has played half a season in the biggest hockey hotbed we know, the biggest pressure cooker in the world for a goaltender. And he's thrived at it. And I think he can look back at that and say, you know what? These are just a couple of tough games. I'm going to get past this, stick to my guns, find some little details, but try not to chase the game. That's the worst thing he could do. I think he'll be okay, but he's got to make sure that he doesn't overdo things. Leafs are looking at uh, four games in the next, or in, in nine days since they've been off against the Islanders. So they got Wednesday against Anaheim, Saturday, Detroit, and then Monday, Tuesday, back-to-back with New Jersey Devils. Is it safe to say that uh, Jack Campbell and Mrazek could split those four games, or would Jack want three and one just to get back into a groove before the, the heaviness of February kicks in? Mm-hmm. Well, I think splitting them wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, and I think part of it, you could even sense Sheldon Keefe's frustration with the level of Jack's play. And, and I didn't really like how Keefe called Jack Campbell out uh, in a postgame presser recently. He hasn't been as great recently. Well, but he is right, though. And I think that objectively, those two know each other well enough. It's not going to be any point of animosity. But I think this is a scenario where. You know, you sit down with your goalie coach and you and you look at it and you say, okay, we've got a lot of hockey coming up here in February. We've got games to make up, We're going to be playing an awful lot during what would have been that Olympic break. I mean, I believe, I think, I think Toronto has eight games during that break. Some teams have five. Vegas has five games by comparison. So they're going to need him during that stretch because that's going to be a defining two weeks in the season. This little bit of lighter load here, this would be a great time 
to sit back and have some normal practices and to work on some things. So I think easily, yeah, I mean, could they split for sure? We know they're going to split back-to-back against those two Jersey games, no doubt about it. Um, but I think there's a good chance that you also need Peter Mrazek to play. You know, if what if Campbell gets hurt? What if Campbell has COVID? Like, these are all things that can happen this year. They, the Leafs need Peter Mrazek playing his best hockey as well. So it's not all about Campbell. It's a little bit both here. I'd actually be surprised if they didn't split the next four games. Mike, what do you think about the evolution in like goalie statistics? Is there is there a statistic that you value the most when evaluating a goalie? Like I'm I'm just on moneypuck.com checking out goals saved above expected. And like Igor Shosturkin is the best in the league. That seems about right. You know, you see Vasilevsky up there, Soros. Is there any that you value or do you just stick with the uh, tried and true save percentage and GAA? Oh, you're on right on the mark here. I I think uh you know, there are different ways to, to get your advanced stats. Money Puck is a great resource. And much you said, goal save above expected. That's what the default is when you go to goaltenders on their website. And it's a really good gauge um, because it factors in a lot of different things. Length of the shot, where it comes from the net. Um, clear sight analytics is one that I know Steve Valiquette in New York has done a great job with. That's also a pay site. I don't have access to as much as anybody. But uh, I think these things are important because – Goals against average, that, that one to me, that's your least important. And then you go up to save percentage, traditional save percentage. You can tell things from that, but you have to factor in the workload and where these shots are coming from. And when you look at goals save above expected, that's a really good metric for it. Um, and if you don't have access to super high-level things. And, and I'll give you a great example of this. Like Darcy Kemper at the start of the year was at the very bottom of the list until almost the start of December in terms of goals save above expected. His normal numbers looked okay at best. He was not performing well. And now you get to this part of the year, hey, he's kind of knocking on the door of the top 10. His goal save above expected is at 5.9, which means he's made almost six more saves than he should have. Those are cool. Those are important. But I do think it's worth looking at the big picture because the one stat that matters, guys, is wins. <laughs> and however you get those done, it matters. So uh, I think you kind of look at everything with a little bit of a, a side eye. Uh, but ultimately, you look at wins, goal save above expected, and you try to put it all together. It's like using analytics to evaluate players. They still have to pass the eye test as well. So we watched Vancouver with no Demko, Halak. I think Spencer Martin's out. Uh, our fifth goalie, uh, Di Pietro, mm-hmm. uh, the other night. Did did you retire way too early? Jeffrey, <laughs> <laughs> my bank account saying I did. These guys are making <laughs> cash, man. I know they're facing about twenty something percent escrow, but I'm just thinking, man, if I could have held on a couple more years. But you know what? I slipped my back coaching the St. Louis Blues Warriors team. I had back spasms as a 38-year-old man pushing pucks around as a coach with a, bunch of, with a bunch of veterans on the ice. So I figure, you know what, I think I got out the right time. I don't know if my back could have handled it, but they are the NHL is on pace for a record with goaltenders used this year. It's, it's unbelievable a, it, to see. <laughs> it is. And, and, like, all kidding aside, like, amazing opportunities here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. And, and you look at the people that have taken advantage of it. I mean, Charlie Lindgren, it's five games in St. Louis, but I think he's made a name for himself that he may get a chance somewhere. Anton Forsberg's taken an elevated role in Ottawa. There's a guy who I think, by the way, is going to have a lot of suitors at the trade deadline. And Pierre Dorian should play that one right because I think he's going to be able to get something out of them. But yeah, this is a chance not just to make a little money for people. It's a chance for goaltenders to come in 
and really try to grab a role in the NHL. I mean, Samuel Montembeau, here's another person plucked off waivers who's yeah. played a lot of games and played pretty well for Montreal. I think he looks like an NHL goalie, and he probably wouldn't have had that opportunity, I don't think, throughout the entire season at least, if we hadn't seen all this mess with COVID and injuries. Well, it'll only get uh, more interesting as we go along. Hey, Mike, really appreciate the time as always. Thanks. Anytime. Thanks for having me on, guys. Best of, best of luck the rest of the day. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Mike McKenna, Daily Faceoff. And a guy that's been around, NHL, AHL, ECHL. Uh, this, this guy knows the uh, finer workings of uh, the goaltending position. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, we got Craig Simpson, former NHLer, of course, two-time Stanley Cup champion and Hockey Night Canada analyst. We'll break down the Islanders and the Leafs Saturday night, a game that he called all after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born, show number 75.